This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is their word is their bond and they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a thousand agents across the country and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents, I trust it's sent to somebody who already you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And so, was it battery or was there no battery? Yet again, a question of legal but really political importance. Donald Trump's campaign manager will not face charges. Fair? Biased? Right? Wrong? There is an answer. But... It's also fungible. It depends on the judge. Welcome to the court of truth. Judge you presiding. Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. Where do the weeks go? They melt away and they go too quickly. Honestly, they don't. They go too quickly. I, I, you know, thank God it's Monday. Is the saying around this studio, because the, the the life is just going too quickly. Do you know how? That's sort of the oldest meme in the book. That you, to an adult, you say, "Okay, something's going to happen in six months." And an adult says, oh, six months. Oh, man, that's going to be here before you know it. Because it's usually connected with any, any, any deadline at all. You know, it's connected with responsibility in some way. And so in, in under a, in a number of ways, an adult hears something and they go, oh, six months, you know, or a year or whatever. That's going to happen. That's going to be like tomorrow. You You tell a six-year-old. You know, tell me again how long it is until Christmas. And you say, it's only a month. And they go, a month? Oh, no. It's forever. And and I don't know if you know this, but it's fairly obscure stuff. But it, within the last few years, they have done uh, concurrent with a lot of the you know brain science that they've been doing. They have determined, among other things, that the 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 physical sensation of the passage of time the physical sensation really does vary from person to person but most particularly of any category far and away it 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 the passage of time varies by age 
So this notion that, you know, when I was a kid, the end of school year was, you know, 15 days away and, you know, oh, no, it's forever 15 days, you know, and now you say to a grown up about anything, it's 15 days away and they realize they're going to close their eyes and open them and it's going to be 15 days. But the physical, the physical sensation with which we experience the passage of time really does differ. It, it's it's not it's not merely like an old wives' tale, like most old wives' tales are as reliable as old wives. Kidding, uh, honey? Uh, no, I mean they they. It's true, and it just has nothing to do with politics. I just thought I would we'd enjoy a tiny bit of sorbet to cleanse the palate uh, before we return to what I know we all agree. Uh, are the important stories, but can't lose sight of the fascinating for the mere important, can we? Welcome back to the Blaze Radio Network. You are my partner, the best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. The conversation number here is one triple eight nine. No, <clears throat> the argument hotline, hotline, hotline. I like that a lot better. The argument hotline, sponsored by us is one 3393 one 3393 and via Twitter at J-A-Y underscore A Palm Beach, Florida, <coughs> pardon me, for my fifth anniversary, I get a cough button. Uh... For my fourth anniversary, I just get a cough. Uh, Palm Beach, Florida County State's Attorney today has announced his intention to decline to decline charges against Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski for the prospective charge of simple battery. Interesting point again, parenthetically. We all grow up in America with, you know, watching these shows and, and it causes attorneys and physicians to become frustrated with us because we all think that we're attorneys and physicians and mostly from television and, uh, or from wherever we got, confused or badly informed and so we use americans use assault and battery generally speaking incorrectly 99 percent of the time no one ever uses the word battery though that's what they mean when they say assault so we all know assault and battery but we all say oh he assaulted her or you know anyway the, the prospective charge of, under consideration was simple battery, a misdemeanor in Florida law. The county state attorney has declined to pursue a charge of simple battery. Oh, by the way, assault is the threat of harm. Battery is the striking. So simple battery was the prospective charge. So that's it. It's over. Now, 
asterisk. Not like a Hillary Clinton size asterisk, but a little asterisk here. It's over criminally. It may not be over because, as has become derriere, has become derriere in the in the land of Hillary Clinton. Uh, we now look forward to a civil case. Civil law being the sometimes rather evil twin, but sometimes very useful twin of criminal law. And that uh, Corey Lewandowski will not be charged with a criminal offense. That's done. That's over. However, uh, Michelle Fields, is it? The, The young woman who was grabbed, and she was, by Lewandowski. No one disputes that. He grabbed her. Uh, although that's not placed in context. The attorney did place it. The prosecuting attorney did place it in context. I will in a second. Yeah, he did grab her. The young woman grabbed can now sue in civil court for, as of the moment, unspecified uh, damages to her person, to her reputation, et cetera, et cetera. And... The the most evil example I can give you of civil law being the evil twin to criminal law is that last night at at 2.30 a.m., you heard something go bump in the night. You went downstairs and surprised a burglar who then charged at you with a knife. You said... Drop it. Freeze. Drop it. And he didn't comply. You, being smart enough to be a gun owner, to have taken full advantage of your privileges under the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America, uh, when he ignores your entreaties to halt, you quickly... Uh, put two in center body mass, at least two. You discharge your weapon lawfully, and you stop him. You stop his forward progress at you with the knife. Okay, he, bad part of the story, he lives. Worst part of the no, good part of the story, you are immediately forgiven by everybody. No charges against you. Worst part of the story, he, whether or not he lives, by the way, if not if not the scumball, then his estate, so to speak, you know, uh, his estate uh, sues you in civil, under civil law for, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, for, uh, you know, I'm sorry, the, the term's escaping me. Um <clears throat> It's for something death. This is the stupidest thing I've ever forgotten because I've known it all my life. Um, wrong, is it wrongful death? Let's settle on that for now, wrongful death. Anyway, he sues you whether or not he lives. And, and by the way, if he lives and let's say he is uh, paralyzed because of the, uh, your excellent marksmanship, then that's part of the suit. He can't work anymore. Never mind that he never did work in his life, but now, but now 
he can't work. He was going to start working when he was 50. He was determined to get that first job, but now he can't because of your uh, untoward violence, your unwanted violence. So now they sue you under civil law. This happens all the time. So it's it's never it's, – it's always, as my dear, my close friend Tone Loke says, whenever there's a shooting, they'd be a big old mess. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. The founder of this company – 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house and went through real estate agent after real estate agent, and they were all talking a great game. And this guy who is selling his house, the founder of this, uh, this company, he's, you know, he's kind of an important guy and kind of, you know, should get the best treatment. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company. And it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. We have a 1,000 agents across the country, and they are people that listen to this show. And so when you go through real estate agents I trust, it's sent to somebody who already, you already know their sensibilities. They already are cut from exactly the same cloth. There's got to be a better way. There is. Real estate agents, I trust.com. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, I'm not doing my Donald Trump impersonation, but I do want to say that uh, people love the podcasts of this show. And it's available on SoundCloud. Do I have that right, B? SoundCloud? SoundCloud. SoundCloud. So there it is. There they are. Welcome. Please listen. Podcast. Our show. SoundCloud. Uh, back to the Palm Beach State's Attorney for a moment. Back to Corey Lewandowski. The only reason I mention it is it's news and I wanted you to know it. And it's just happened literally within the last hour. But the other reason is it could make for a fair argument. Um, I don't expect we'll be talking about it much. That's up to you via one 888 In my judgment, it was absolutely the correct call. It was a fair judgment. It's called prosecutorial discretion. And ultimately, if well exercised, it equates with justice. I believe in this case, justice has been done. That is to say, not to bring charges against him is justice. What do you think? The bench is now entertaining questions. That one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three doesn't expect them, but is entertaining and will be entertained and will entertain you with the answers. Okay, I have a question. I'll start. Judge you, I have a question. I'm about to draw nigh and be heard. Here's my question. Do you think Ted Cruz will now complain that the system is rigged 
It's rigged. The system is rotten. It's rigged. It's rigged against me. It's rigged against me because they didn't charge Trump's guy. I have a second question. If Cruz's guy had grabbed somebody and the authorities did not prefer charges, do you think Trump would complain that the system is rigged and rotten against him? All part of a conspiracy to deprive him of his due, which is the presidency? Uh, Today, Ted Cruz, last night rather, Ted Cruz was discussing his possible vice presidential candidates. That's always a trap I would avoid. I know they ask people and there are ways out of it. And he wasn't so much directly doing it. But this is why one tries to avoid it. Ted Cruz is now, the clip is now out there. The Ted Cruz having having gone after Marco Rubio in the past, pretty good. Not, not, like, not like Trump went after anybody, everybody. But Ted Cruz went after Marco pretty good a little bit during the campaign. But that's nothing outside the, the, the norm. But Cruz has, if you wanted to isolate a clip reel of, of bites of Cruz criticizing Rubio, you'd have yourself a pretty good minute and a half entertaining negative clip reel there. Well, Ted Cruz has said within the last several hours, Marco Rubio inspired me. That's a quote. That's verbatim. Marco Rubio's campaign inspired me. Marco inspired me. I guess that means that this is the first shot in the side battle, which is awfully important. It's a flank battle, if you will. But it could end up deciding the war. And that's because Marco Rubio, the same one that Cruz contested against and, and uh, criticized, also has more delegates than Kasich, which is a dubious distinction. I, you know, I admit. Hold on. Hold on now. Okay. Because Kasich has what? Has, has eight delegates or something? But, but Rubio has well, 143, 170, I don't know, something, delegates. And whereas once upon a time that looked like a fairly insignificant number, as now we know, there is no insignificant number when it comes to clipping off delegates. The Fox had, so, so, sub-headline, Cruz suggests Rubio might be running mate. First paragraph. In a fairly transparent appeal under the radar to Rubio delegates, Ted Cruz today said that he would be very comfortable with Marco Rubio as his vice president. This is not going to be the first or last time you hear this, by the way, because Marco Rubio is going to go to Cleveland probably in a better state of mind than anyone has ever gone to Cleveland. (laughs) 
and I mean, I, which probably again is a dubious distinction. But but Marco Rubio will go to Cleveland uh, as a kingmaker. He's going to be the Elvis maker, probably. Fox headline this morning. Superimposed on the screen. Cruz goal. Deny Trump 1,237 first ballot delegate votes. End quote. Jeez, no fooling. They brought in the big, the big analytical wigs to, to, to settle on this one. Uh, however, it's true. It might be painfully obvious, but it's uh, also true. That is Ted Cruz's goal because he looks, he can do the maths. He looks at this and probably nobody gets 1237. But the Cruz campaign so adept at picking off delegates doing the insider game, you know, that's going to serve him well. But Ted Cruz has to be concerned, must be concerned. He's my candidate. I'm concerned for him if he's not concerned. And that is, Trump is the only one left who could still get 1237. It's possible. It's not bloody likely, but it is still plausible. And he's about to hit a big winning streak, is Trump. Jay Severin. Excelsior. The Blaze Radio Network. Tim from Michigan is our partner on the Blaze Radio Network. We welcome him. Hi, how are you? Well, thank you, sir. Good, good. Um, I'm first-time caller, but uh, a avid, if not long-time, listener of the, uh, the Blaze Radio Network, and I am glad well, to thank be you. here. Thank you. Um, Draw nigh. Really about... Draw nigh and uh, be heard. <laughs> I'm calling really about two things. Uh, the first thing... I want to voice uh, some appreciation to me to do this for a while, but I always uh, have to go to a podcast for you because I work such bizarre hours. I'm a musician, and a, uh, I'm on deck to be a professor at Adrian College, so I'm always busy you. when your show is on. Thank you. Good for you. Um, and, and, and a I professor wanted... of, of musicology uh, or another field uh, entirely? Uh, communication Media Arts, and I'll be the interim band director in the fall. Good for you. Good for you. You know, so much. How, few, how few are the opportunities for someone to make a living, uh, not by a yacht, I don't need to tell you, but, <laughs> you know, to make a living pursuing an artistic endeavor. So a creative yeah, endeavor. Good for you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm calling uh, to voice appreciation for the uh, the podcast. That has been a, a staple in my getting information. And, uh, Excellent. Excellent. I really, really, really appreciate and enjoy the Blaze After Dark specials. Uh, oh, they, thanks. Uh, I work at a place called Meadowbrook Theater uh, just outside of Detroit in Auburn, Michigan. And uh, shows uh-huh. get out at like 11 o'clock. And while I'm driving home, 
I pop on the uh, the iHeartRadio app, and boom, there's Jay and friends talking about the debates. That's that's been great. Um, oh well, thank you. Just do me. Could you do me one favor? Sure. Would you shut up? Those make me have to stay up late. <laughs> My bad. Well, maybe you can. Uh, maybe you can I don't want the boss of, uh, getting any ideas. Guy. I don't want the boss getting any <laughs> ideas. Any any, and we're coming up on 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 weeks where we're gonna have like two, three, five of those a week, and oh, I'm going to look like, you know, the walking death, cook, warmed over <laughs> death by midweek. Anyway, no, thank you very much. We enjoy, I, I, we really have fun doing them, Doc and Skip and I, and I, I hope it shows. Yeah, it's a great crew. It's a great crew. Now, the second thing I'm calling about, if time allows, is I wanted to address a question that you had posed a little while ago about Ted Cruz. You would ask, um, do you suppose Ted Cruz would complain uh, about the system being rigged uh, on this uh, on this uh, case? No, there's there not being any prosecution on the, on the Lewandowski thing. And, you know, I don't think that that's the case. While Cruz has uh, outwardly been frustrated about the treatment that he's been getting from who he's comparing to union thugs, I always impressed and appreciative of Ted Cruz pointing to issues – that are related to the presidency, and this is not one of those things. Okay, so I'm a little, I'm not entirely clear. So your answer to my question is no. <clears throat> if, if it had been right. a cruise aide that had grabbed a reporter and, and they didn't prefer charges, you don't think Trump would be complaining that it was, you know, rigged? Oh, no, no. What I'm saying is that um, would Cruz complain um, right now because of the Lewandowski thing? That my answer to that would be no. I think that. Oh, uh, I think not. Trump might complain I agree. anyway. Uh, I agree. I think he would. Trump not. is really good at complaining. I mean, look. Let's go <laughs> to that for a moment <clears throat> while you're here. I mean, let, let's tackle a substantive question because the Florida cases it it does it gives us an opportunity to argue about something interesting, which is you know whether or not that was the right call. I think it was. There are though I appreciate the arguments of those who say if this had been you or me we would have been charged that may be true but we would have been wrongly charged the fact is justice must entail a certain degree of again prosecutorial discretion and th- there was no intent to injure you know they didn't make right. laws to punish and imprison people or otherwise uh, otherwise punish them because they did routine things in everyday life, which makes sense. There was no criminal intent in what Lewandowski did. And there was no, and that's not enough to cover, you know, he could have, if he yanked her by the hair and she fell down and hit her head on a load of bricks and died, he'd still be guilty of manslaughter or murder too. It doesn't matter whether he had intent, you know, that's why mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's well, manslaughter, let's say. That's why it's still manslaughter, even if lacking intent. You still killed her. But he really didn't hurt her in any way. And and given the context of what happened, the reason I think it was a, a fair judgment in this case was that she had penetrated you know, fairly assertively penetrated the security bubble and, you know, grabbed Trump first or bumped up against him. And he was just trying to instinctively do his job. And he didn't like, you know, throw her to the ground or hit her. He didn't strike her in any legal sense. So I appreciate people would argue, yeah, he did. He touched her. Okay. Yeah, sure. He touched her. He grabbed her arm. But you know what? 
that does not a crime make. Um, right. So what and we ought to I be talking about, what we ought to be talking about, Tim, is this thing about rigged. You know, Donald Trump gives me a swift pain in the ass in a number of ways, and one of them is is by preaching to his very large choir, Tim, that the nation is everything's crappy, everything's crap, and everything's everything's rigged against them. That's what his candidacy is. That's what populist candidacies are. That's what populists mm-hmm. do. They say everything is shite and it's all going against you and it's all because of the rich guys. And look, I'm not saying that's all untrue. I'm just observing from history. That's what populism is. That's that's what Trump is doing. But he is really cruising close. Sorry. Uh, he is gliding close to the edge of <laughs> of burning down the house here because we're all going to need each other later. And it's not really a good thing to say that the entire system sucks and is rigged and everything else. Now, you know what, though, Tim, what he says, and I'll shut up. I'm sorry, but let me just, I want to put this question to you. It's a very long question, admittedly. But when he says it's rigged, the way he says it, it's bull. It's Bernie Sanders. It's BS. But (laughs) if you were to say, if he were to say, Tim, this is stacked against me. I don't think anyone who knows politics and knows the business of politics, which I've spent my life in, I don't think anyone could honestly say that he's wrong. It is stacked against not Donald Trump. None of this is written with the words Donald Trump in it. But is the system, are the systems, the subsystems and all of the uh, events attendant to the subsystems which end up with the Electoral College, are they stacked against an outsider? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, I don't think, you may disagree, I don't think there's any argument about that. It's, it's that Trump is an outsider that is making him see the system this way for the first time. Any outsider is going to see this. Hell, Bernie Sanders, and I'd hope to talk about this separately today. I don't know if anyone in this audience cares. I don't much care. But it's an interesting point, is it not, that if this were a straight-out election, do you know Bernie Sanders is going to win? But he can't because the Democrat Party has set aside 1,000 or whatever it is, 800 superdelegates, which Hillary has had in the bank from the beginning. So even though in the... In the actual electoral processes in which they engage mano a mano, and I do mean mano a mano, uh, he's going to end up probably with as many or more delegates. But he can't win. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's stacked. I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Um, you know, there's there are these uh, philosopher cats who who comment on. Uh, on politics in general and who point to something called the the tyranny of the majority and i think that yes. that the delegates in general i think the in the electoral college is a beautiful example of a check of that that this uh that these populist cats like uh like uh trump and and our friend in bs um i think that that there are dangerous consequences to these kinds of people and i think that those are those are good checks to them i i i uh, uh well said i and I, and I think that people have to remember 
two, that, and again, this is the most misunderstood. It's good in a way because this civic circus Maximus is serving as an educational lever for all of us because many people are recognizing for the first time, Tim, that the Republican and national, I'm sorry, the Republican and Democrat national parties are not charitable organizations. They're they're partisan private country clubs. And they run for the purposes of their own preservation. And certainly if threatened, that becomes the singular reason for their existence. As I said Mm -hmm. months ago, the bumper sticker of the Republican National Committee reads Republican National Committee. That's what they're after in this election. And and if anything else, if they should win, great. But if they should lose, that's fine. They'll survive so long as they do survive. As long and as they right do. now, people are just realizing for the first time the Republican National Committee is a private club run for its own board of directors and at its sufferance for such members as who choose to belong at their own choice. And if you don't like it, don't belong if you don't like the rules don't belong is it is it rigged okay maybe rigged is it stacked certainly it's stacked just like if rodney dangerfield showed up at your country club like in caddyshack you know someone from the membership committee would say you know hey come on you can't bring that guest again because he's he's offending the rules what rules the rules we made for your comfort you're not comfortable here there are several other clubs where you may, you know, public courses where you might be comfortable. Why don't you go there? I think that's a beautiful analogy. Now, um, I appreciate you taking my call. I got to run, Jay, but uh, thank go. you. Go, Professor. Who would argue you have more important things to do than this? Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, I wish to salute uh, one of the world's greatest ever athletes who played at a game I don't care about, uh, basketball, and the athlete being Kobe Bryant, who retired last night with his final game in the final season game of the Los Angeles Lakers, the only team for which he has ever played in his beyond stellar, beyond brilliant 20-year career. It, I, I have only one, and we'll mark it down as, as you know, please mark it down as good-hearted uh, criticism. I understand he scored 60 points. Who did they play? The Washington Generals? 60 points? Let, let me ask you, if the final game of the season had been a deciding game as to which team got in the playoffs. You think Kobe would have scored 60? And again, I, 
I don't care for it. I don't like it when Michael Strahan of the New York Giants, uh, what did he do? Michael Strahan, something having to do with Brett Favre, I can't remember, but somebody somebody lay down and winked. And, you know, uh, so someone could have a record or something. And I'm sorry, I don't. I don't get that. I don't get it. Just like I don't get people criticizing the University of Connecticut women's basketball team for kicking the buttocks of every other team in America by about 195 million points in every game. That's bad. Excellence is bad. Being consistently excellent is bad. Everything I understand about life that I was ever taught by the most excellent man I've ever known, my father, and the most excellent woman I've ever known, my mother. Encouraged now by the most excellent, I've always been surrounded by women a lot smarter than I. And and you see how it's turned out. No, and, 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 I, and so I owe what anything I ever do to them. But I mean, they, they everyone shared Everyone shared a, a wish for be as be the best you can be. Well, you know, since when is be the best you can be bad? By the way, uh, we're talking about whether there is a modicum or more of of truth, the ring of truth to Trump's bitching and moaning about how the entire system is rigged against him. And whether or not I'm prepared as a gentleman and a sportsman to concede, knowing the business as I do, that maybe there's something something to his complaint. I like the term stacked better than rigged. I'm prepared to admit it's stacked against outsiders. Of course it is. Like everything else in the world, organizations stack things to protect themselves. So of course it's stacked against Trump. But not Trump. It could be Joe Jamotes. It doesn't matter who it is. Trump seems to take it megalomaniacally personally that it's about him. But what about, by the way, when he exploited the bankruptcy laws? What about that? Everyone said, cool guy. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Some think pieces next. I know what you're thinking. We're going to need to bring in a guest host, but until he or she gets here, you'll have to do with me, Jay Severin, on the Blaze Radio Network, Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest in radio. This is the Blaze Radio Network. I'm Jay Severin. You're, believe it or not, humble, and as I think you know, very grateful and affectionate partner. one 888 900 I just 
in the break here, I happened to be watching uh, the monitors and and uh, Neil Cavuto on Fox, whom I admire and like tremendously, uh, had on a student leader who was known for appearing at several rallies and being the one on the bullhorn. And she happens to be pro-Bernie, anti-Hillary. Probably one of the reasons that she, you know, stood out and he has her on. And, and she, what is a shame is that she is being presented right now as being there because she is, we're, we're to understand, evidently among the brightest of the protesters. I'm sorry. The day that this young woman is the Princeton debate captain, then just shoot me, okay? What passes today for eloquence? You've got people who, I mean, we have people in everyday life who express themselves perfectly well. We just don't have many of them. And then as you go up and up the ladder of eloquence and articulation, there are fewer and fewer. And then we reach certain stratospheric levels. Like uh, me. Oh, okay. Or, or I maybe I should, to be fairer, like Ted Cruz. Not like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is in terms of his ability to express himself, he is one of the biggest dopes in the history of public discourse in this country. The guy cannot complete, construct or complete or deliver an English sentence contemporaneously. He's so ineloquent so inarticulate that it's befuddling that an American public would find him as having crossed the threshold of viable public figures. I just, it gets me. And this young woman might as well be Al Sharpton without, with a different kind of wig. I, I, I'm sorry, I, you know, not only is what she believes demonstrably stupid, but her manner of expressing herself is is animated. It's very animated. She's gesticulating wildly. She's speaking loudly. She's shouting down a gentlemanly Neil Cavuto who is trying to accommodate her. But she's not accustomed to the rules of discourse or debate she's only accustomed to yelling at you through a bullhorn and that you know it's just sad all right one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three if you care at all about the civic circus maximus and the great entertainment quotient it offers not to mention the impact on you and your family it's going to have, you're in the right place. And Cheap Lofts. This is Cheap Lofts Central. All right. If nationally prominent journalist Ron Fournier 
of the Christian Science Monitor says, and I quote him from last night, quote, Obama is demonstrably the least transparent president in the history of the United States of America, despite, incidentally, promising specifically to be the opposite. Now, when you have, you may not know Ron Fournier. It's not important that you do. Because of what I did for a living principally for 25 years, I dealt for 25 years, sometimes several times a week, sometimes several times a day, on and off the record, mostly on, with Ron Fournier. I have never had a complaint. He has never misquoted me, despite the hundreds of thousands of words I spoke to him uh, and have been quoted. He has never misled his readership as to what I said or what, and this is important, what I meant, which is the responsibility of a journalist. Anyone can cherry pick a few words out of what you say and make it look the opposite of your intent. Ron Fournier never did. I just say this to mean the guy is a an absolute left-wing liberal in the most honest sense, the most sincere sense, but he's a straight arrow. He's a journalist of the old school. In this, believe it or not, he is virtually alone among hundreds, thousands of national and international journalists uh, with whom I have dealt in my lifetime. That is to say, I have found him under a variety of circumstances to be an absolutely honest broker. And that is rare, believe me. But what makes this remarkable is that Ron Fournier is, as I say, a true liberal. But he regards himself first and foremost as a journalist of the old school, as a co-respondent, a journalist, a pre jehornalism journalist. And if Ron Fournier, an honest, decent, straightforward, talented man, professional, as he has established himself to be, If he is saying things about Obama, like Obama promised to be the most transparent president in history, and he is demonstrably the least transparent president in American history. Imagine, imagine that. If he could feel that, he doesn't have to say it. Imagine the cost... I don't know, what's the subhead on this? Jay's tribute to Ron Fournier? Maybe. I, I, all I can tell you is there is a wicked cost to him traveling in the circles he's traveled his entire life and going on Fox News regularly and telling the truth as he sees it. Now, very often that truth is viewed through a prism that as a conservative, 
appears warped to me. He never appears warped. I'm just saying the prism through which he may view events, you know, is very alien to me. But you know what? I just, it struck me last night. And I, look, most of this show is, is, first of all, this show is utterly spontaneous. But I do make notes, thousands and thousands of words of notes. And the show is written, quote unquote, such as it is generally the night before the show. Think about it. That's that's when we get together every day at 3 Eastern. Most of the news that's been made happens, you know, for that day happens last night or before the show. And so, yeah, there's some stuff that happens before the show in the morning. But generally speaking, my notes are 98% of my notes are, are from last night. Although 70% of my time is, you know, spent paying attention since last night. What I'm trying to say is this ought to be a warning sign for when Trump complains about everything being rigged. That's not a warning sign. He doesn't even know what he's saying. But Ron Fournier does. Ron Fournier of the Christian Science Monitor ought to be president of the United States 20 times over, or a candidate for said office, 20 times over before Barack Obama ought to be, or before God knows Donald Trump ought to be. But he won't be, because that's not how the system works. But if a guy like that can say these things about Obama, it ought to be a warning sign for leftists in this country. If one of their own is recognizing this degree of truth about the left in this country. But you know what? I think you know, as I know, what Obama has in mind for his future. And he couldn't care less. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, best and brightest. You know, there's a massive demonstration in this place called Boston right now. I'm looking at it uh, on television, and it is in. Well, naturally, their their agenda is the full Marxist menu. So, pick anything. You know, it's the full transgendered, trans scientific transfactual but but the advertised the advertised agenda of the rally is to be for a government mandated and manipulated change rise of course in the minimum wage paid to all workers to $15 an hour now This may be a bit contrarian, given our fraternity here, but why $15? I disagree. Why not 
$75. And here's why I ask. What is the purpose of those who wish brainlessly to raise it to $15, which is not only anti-constitutional and anti-legal and stupid and a lot of other things, but, hey, maybe I'm wrong. If, 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 if raising the minimum wage to $15 is a good idea, then is not raising it to $25 a better idea? And if it's a better idea and it's supportable, I mean, it must be viable, right? It must be supportable. It must be doable. And there's just a reason. A greedy, homophobic, racist, white lives matter Klansmen are, you know, Republicans are responsible for for depressing the the wage and as long as we're going to push them out of the way and raise it why raise it to only $15 if there is a supportable economic model that supports a mandatory uh, raise to $15 an hour then surely that economic model theoretically and to listen to them to the left, in fact, must be supportable at $25 an hour. But, and if that's true, why 25 Why not $75 an hour? Heck, why not $100 an hour? If there's an economic theory that supports this, and I'm sure you can find one in the crowd, uh, I, I'm, you can also find the same theory on most skid rows in a town near you. You could find some guy sitting, stewing in his own pee-pee in a cardboard box who can explain to you why $25 an hour would have changed his life. Why not $100 an hour? Why not? Why not? Okay, while, we're, while I'm on this jag, yesterday, and, and this is sort of the Obama PS jag, I don't really get a chance to pick on Obama much anymore, so I'm taking advantage of it. You saw the video, did you, or the still photographs? Heard the story about Russian fighters coming within 25 feet of, of going on a strafing buzz of a United States destroyer in international waters? Now, whereas there are some clues like electronic admissions and other things that our people can do uh, on that destroyer to determine whether they're just about ready to fire missiles or not. That's not our standard of combat. If we had been doing, if they had feared us, they would have said, you know, what they might do is defend themselves. And you don't wait to defend yourself after the first or second or third flyby that comes within 25 or 30 or 50 meters of your ship. What you do is blow them out of the sky because they're in violation of every recognized protocol there is. But see, the Russians know we don't do that. And they did this as a message to nations that want to join NATO and to NATO nations. And the message is, these foolskies are not going to protect you from us. They're not going to defend you. 
they're not going to defend themselves. And this is a humiliation to us, which Putin understands and intends. This was this is being called by the, the, the you know flag officers who understand this stuff the single most aggressive move since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And a message to our allies: Don't count on America. And under Obama, they are absolutely right. The weaker Obama is, the more just emboldens our enemies, most especially Russia and China long-term, and North Korea short-term. You know why? Answer this question. You want to know the question that keeps me up at night, although I have a lot of reasons to be up at night, some of them good. Here's one that isn't. Answer this question. I presume you already ask it of yourself or have. If North Korea tomorrow nuked Los Angeles... And by the way, I pick Los Angeles not just because of uh, the evidence points to their ability to do that more likely than they're being able to reach New York or Washington, but because in our culture, a West Coast city is less important than an East Coast city. I'm sorry for those of you on the West Coast to have to think of yourselves as in any way expendable, but there it is. You know, if they nuke Los Angeles, you ain't getting the same reaction out of Washington as if they nuke Washington, like on the Acela Corridor between Washington, D.C. and Boston. But think about this. Ask yourself, honestly, what would Obama do? Many people, including myself, believe absolutely nothing. Think about it. You, You may take it for granted that if a country nuked us, We would, let's say North Korea, let's keep it narrow. If North Korea nuked us, you might just assume and think I'm crazy for saying otherwise. You just assume that Obama, that the United States of America would instantly turn that entire country into glowing radioactive glass for 10,000 years. But would Obama launch an all-out nuclear retaliatory attack? I say... It's not in doubt. He wouldn't. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back, partners in truth and cheap yawks on the Blaze Radio Network, one 888 May I just finish this uh, comment? I was uh, writing back to one of our uh, smartest uh, tweeps, and, uh, and I just want to call it for old man. And he said, you know, Obama would start another apology tour. We're sorry. We deserved it. I just want to finish this by saying North Korea is most probably, right, doing this stuff for what? No reason? Uh, I know it'll heighten its, uh, its influence with China and is essentially trying to play China, maybe we hope, and say, 
we're crazy. Don't make us nuke America. You better give us food and stuff, you know, teeth and things, or we're going to nuke America. That's not in your best interest. I don't know who they're trying to play, but there is a very good chance this guy is just effing nuts and that all of this is for the reason it seems on its surface the intention, which is to, they have nothing to lose in his mind. See, they think they're going to, here's, he's going to fly on his private 747. He's the Korean Trump, this come of some young guy. He's going to get on his uh, Trump jet and he's going to fly to Sweden. And when he's ensconced in Geneva, I'm sorry, Switzerland, when he's ensconced in Geneva, he's going to order the attacks on America. This is a theory. The point is, many thoughtful Americans believe two things. They believe, with regard to NOCO, North Korea, they believe two things. One, they believe that North Korea may very plausibly be planning to shoot the dice. That they're not going to wait, they're not going to starve to death and wait another hundred years and see how things turn out. That this guy is, we know, sitting on a hundred trillion dollars in gold in a Swiss bank. He's going to go to Geneva and you're not going to get him and maybe he'll have five or six people he brings along to shoot in the head just to keep up, just to keep his hand in, right? But many Americans believe that North Korea is capable of attacking us. I, I mean physically capable and has the intention that they have crossed that line. And the line is easy for all of us to understand, notwithstanding our lack of formal training in diplomacy or politics, me most included. And that is, we all understand that you can be a country that hates us and wishes that we all die, or you could be a country and and unable to do anything about that. Or you could be a country that can do something about it, but doesn't, like, say, the Soviet Union. The trouble comes for humanity when you have a crossbreed And there are many scientific theories on this, which I'm not, some of which, believe it or not, I'm actually acquainted with, but I'm not going to go into. Let's just say when any animal, the basic theory is this, you have two kinds of animals, including humans, you have two kinds of animals on the earth, some that can kill, that have the native power to kill, others don't. Wolves do. Worms don't. Worms can be really, a worm can come home from work and find his wife with five other worms in a worm orgy. And that worm could be as angry as any worm has ever been angry. And you know what that worm is going to do to those other five worms? Nothing. Because it can't. A wolf or a human on the other hand, and it does, it, 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 it would, the worm would, so this theory goes, would love to kill the other worms. 
when he's cuckolded, but he can't because he's a worm. So he would, but he can't. He lacks the capability. He has the intention, but he, he, he lacks the capability. Of all earthling creatures, there are two categories. The worm category, and then there's ours. Wolves, humans. We can kill each other. But because we can, we don't. But the bottom line, in short, of this study is the only creature that belongs to the second category can kill. And you watch. I've watched many films of tigers, lions, wolves, animals that are uh, that are predators that can kill each other. There is always an instant in their fight that they stop. If they're canine, what they do is show their they show their neck. You, you can't see it if you just watch it in real time. You have to watch a super slow motion shot of this. I've seen these films in, in uh, I re- one of the few days I was paying attention uh, in college. It was fascinating. You, the, the animals that can kill each other don't. There is a moment where they back down. That is not to say that they don't end up dying as a result of battle. If two elk battle, two buffalo Two snakes, two, you know, one can die of injuries resulting from the battle, but nobody sits there and kills the other guy unless it's for food. But if it's for combat, someone always gives up. So all of Earth's animals that can kill don't. All All of Earth's animals that cannot kill would love to, but they can't. Leaving alone man, the only animal on earth capable of killing, but without the inhibition factor, who will, not for food, not just to show dominance, but will intentionally end the life of a fellow human being. And that's the underlying theory of this stuff. I just want to say this, and, you know, we don't spend a lot of time on this. Uh, We might argue we don't spend enough, but many believe the truth is that North Korea does intend to attack us. That it's not, we oughtn't be this sanguine about, oh, look, Kum of Sung Young Guy has just, you know, developed a new uh, nuke that he could put on a uh, uh, intercontinental ballistic missile. Missile. Uh, Okay. Many of us believe that Korea has crossed the line, that they want to kill us, and they can, and they intend to. And the only therapeutic response to that, that we can offer each other, that we've ever been able to offer, that any nation, state, has ever been able, any back to the cavemen, the only, the only reassurance that we've ever been able to offer ourselves and go to sleep at night is that they won't do that because of what would happen to them. Many people believe that if North Korea is as nuts as they appear, that Obama would not launch an immediate retaliatory response. That out of either paralysis or the willing posture of a pacifist and a Marxist, Obama would 
you know, wait and gather the facts, quote unquote. And two days would turn into 10 days, which would turn into 40 days. And all of a sudden, Obama would be there on the 45th day saying, now we're still waiting for the results of our Korean commission uh, to come back. We are sorry about the 40 million American dead and dying, but we don't want to start a war here just to beat our breast. You know, I mean, we don't want to launch against them just because they launched against us. Now, I want you to imagine something. I just ask you to play along with me here. Imagine if we did not retaliate. But, you know, at that point, we might not be tweeting to each other anymore. So this is the the whole point of this isn't retaliation. It isn't getting even. There is no getting even. There is only preventing, uh, prevention. Imagine if the sense out there Break. is that we won't retaliate. Imagine if North Korea believes we would not retaliate. Now add to that that they don't care. That they, they don't care. They're willing to take the gamble that Kum of some young guy is already ensconced in Geneva, and we don't even know where he is. I'm just using that as a as a, as an example. He's already gone. The leadership, the prime top, you know, fifty, such as they are, leadership of North Korea is already gone, and they're underground in Geneva with their trillions of dollars in gold. Imagine if they don't really care what we do. But imagine if they have the assumption that we will do nothing. I mean, would you be afraid, if you were North Korea, if you were that nut, would you be afraid of Obama? Would What would you think Obama would likely do? Launch against you back immediately and turn North Korea into a nuclear fart? gone with the North Atlantic winds forever? Or do you think Obama would wait and gather the facts and it would be seven months later and Obama would be in Hawaii gathering the facts? If you don't fear Obama, if you don't fear the United States of America and you were a nut from North Korea, wouldn't you kind of like your odds Exactly. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show. And partners like Kevin from the Garden State. Kevin, welcome. Hey, Jay. How you doing? Well, thank you, sir. So, yeah, so I, I was calling because I was thinking about, um, Jay, the, the central hypothesis of Donald Trump's campaign, which is we don't win anymore and he'll make great deals for us. 
And right. if you and, if and you, everything you, everything is everything is crap, and rigged against you, and the two things you said. Yep, exactly. So when you think about it, there is really no more Byzantine set of rules or adversarial situation for a negotiation than a contested 2016 GOP convention. So Indeed. if he gets the nomination, maybe that proves his hypothesis. And if he fails, doesn't that equally disprove that he knows how to make deals and win? Brilliantly said. That's right, isn't it? If he is the art of the deal, if this, despite all of the conventional flaws that he doesn't openly admit, but which he, with the wink of an eye, asks us to forgive. Okay, so I didn't know the rules in Colorado. You know, they're screwed up. I, you know, they, they rigged it. They, okay, he asks us to, that, to believe that his campaign organization and his organizational ability in a campaign so far has zero to do with his prospective behavior as a president, as a leader. Okay, if people are willing to do that, and clearly an awful lot of people are, the question does come down to exactly what you've said. The cost to Donald Trump of buying everybody's patience, you know, and, 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 and not just patience, but their confidence in him. Right, Kevin? If, you know, the cost of that, the check he has to write for that is he had better show us the art of the deal at the convention. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> that is it. And, I mean, it will, and right we, now, we when if you're if you're Trump and you're turning on TV in the morning and you see the headline says, you know, Cruz campaign, quote, our goal, our singular goal is to prevent Trump getting 1237 votes on first delegate ballot. Well, it's not exactly a secret strategy. I mean, you, you already know, Kevin, thank you for the call. You already know, as Kevin is saying, and I am agreeing, if Trump is the master of the deal, well, here's a deal, and he already knows the other guy's number. Imagine if he went into business negotiations as well as he's done. Imagine if in those negotiations he had the advantages he has now. He knows the other guy's bottom line. He knows the other guy's number. Am I right? Am I right? He knows the other guy. Imagine, you know the other guy's number. And you go in knowing that. Well, if Donald Trump has months and months of notice, and he knows the other guy's bottom line, and there can be no artifice, the number's 1237. And everyone is going to do certain things on certain dates at exactly the same time. And you know the other guy's bottom line. I think even I couldn't screw that up. What about the art of the deal, the master? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.